The gospel reading today is from the book of John, the first chapter. The next day, John the Baptist again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to, you are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Kathy. Grace and peace to you this morning. Today we continue our series that started with many of you. We learned to listen deeply to one another last spring and discovered more about who we are as a church, what our lives look like, how we're connecting with Mount Olivet's mission and vision, what we're hopeful for in the future. We're taking five weeks to share what we heard and to ask what God might have to say about it. Last week, Pastor Beth spoke about our hunger to live a life filled with purpose. This week, we focus on community. But this sermon starts in my first grade Sunday school classroom. We had the assignment of putting together a mock TV show of a Bible story, and in a big win for American consumer culture, I advocated that we punctuate our telling of scripture with commercials. So it was the Good Samaritan brought to you by our sponsors. My commercial, was for an imaginary documentary that my first grade self wished were real. Ever the child of the 90s, I promised that for three easy installments of 1999, you would receive a VHS cassette of what heaven looked like. <laughs> I wanted to see where God lived. I wanted to know what it was like to be close to God. I wanted to know what God looked like. It's the same urge that's in Jesus' first disciples in the Gospel of John. They hear Jesus is the Messiah, the Lamb of God, sent by the very God who made this whole universe. And they want to know what he looks like, where he's staying, 
where God is. And that same urge to know where God lives might live in you, too. Studies show, after all, that the number one reason people attend church is to feel closer to God. It's not a bad urge. It's a really beautiful one. Jesus, though, has a strange way of responding to our desire to see God and to know where God lives. He doesn't give these disciples an answer. He gives them an invitation. Come and see. And Jesus isn't just saying, come and see where I'm crashing for the next couple of days. He's saying, come and see where God lives. Follow me, and I will lead you to God. And Jesus does lead them. We're in chapter 1, and that's the whole rest of the book. But here's the thing. Jesus never leads them to heaven to see where God lives. They never find the hidden God that I wanted to see in my Sunday school commercial. Instead, Jesus leads the disciples to other people. The disciples want to see God, and Jesus shows them people. This is intentional. This is part of what God is up to in Jesus. God is redirecting our line of sight. We long to see God, and so we look up to heaven. But Jesus turns our eyes toward one another. That's where God lives, Jesus tells us. In one another and the love we share. This is community, the great weaving together of our stories, and there are two parts to community. We receive others, and we share of ourselves. And if we take Jesus seriously, we trust that in our receiving and sharing, God will always be found. Community, though, is difficult as it is promising. I remember in divinity school, we worshipped in a circle. The preacher would stand at the center of the room and everyone would gather around them. The architecture of the sanctuary itself participated in God's work of turning our eyes from a hidden heavenly God to a God who appears among us in one another, because in that circle, you couldn't sing a hymn, you couldn't pray to God without seeing someone else right across the way. What a beautiful expression of community. Now, one day, it was a communion service. The light was streaming in through the windows the pastor had just preached a sermon that had stirred my soul, and now she stood in the center of the room, holding up the bread and praising the goodness of God. It was one of the most holy moments of my life. 
And as she set the bread down on the table, I noticed that where that loaf had been was the face of Michael. Michael. Pompous, condescending Michael, who mansplained everything and was quick to point out how his church did things better than yours. Listen, I love everybody. And I will confess to you that to this day, I still have to stop myself from daydreaming about ways to humiliate this man. (laughs) And there he was, right in the middle of this sacred moment I was having. And I wished that God would just stay in heaven. (laughs) I, or if God was going to show up in community, I wanted it to be at least with people I wanted to be with. Community is always easier in theory than in practice because we know how to drive each other nuts and we know how to hurt each other. Some of us hold grudges too. (laughs) But community, true Christian community, is never the stuff of our dreams and desires. And that's because it's not actually something that we create. God does it. And the community that God creates, it's always more rich and more complicated than we want or expect. After all, Jesus doesn't say, come and make everyone just like you. Come and weed out the people you don't like. Come and see, Jesus says. See who you are sharing this planet with. See that God made them. See that they might have something to share with you. See what happens when you learn to listen and live together. As I took communion that day, I prayed to God and reflected to myself. Michael might get all the way up under my skin, but the community of the church belongs to me no more than it belongs to him. It belongs to God. And in the end, I'm not the host of this meal of community we share. I'm a guest called to share this banquet of love God is setting with whoever else shows up, called to, see, to come and see God working through them and to receive them just as they are. But that's just the half of it. I'm also called to have others receive me, called to give of myself honestly and fully, That is a profound risk because it's taking your heart, which is located safely within your chest, and having it live instead lodged inside other people. And when you do that, you can't control what happens anymore. You are so vulnerable to getting hurt. And indeed, If you are giving your heart to others in community, you will get hurt. People leave you. 
people reject you. People die. And when you've given out your heart, a piece of you gets buried with them. Yesterday, Pastor Beth and I went to the funeral for Pastor Stephanie Coltvet Erdman, who died at the age of 40. This woman whose mission was fostering God's inclusive community is now separated from her communities by death. How many people's hearts lie buried with her? Where is God's promise when community cannot save those we love from the grave. As we assembled in grief, our Bishop Anne Svenningsen read a quote from Henry Nouwen that had been found among Stephanie's things. It said this, Do not hesitate to love, and to love deeply. Your heart will be broken, but that should not hold you back from loving deeply. As you love deeply, the ground of your heart will be broken more and more, but you will rejoice in the abundance of fruit it will bear. That's the promise. That in community, we aren't just giving our hearts to other people, we're giving them to the God who holds our community together and the God who will hold us in all things. And that God takes our hearts buried in the ground and turns them into fertile soil that bears an abundance of fruit. Jesus speaks of this later in John's Gospel. He says that he has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. But Jesus doesn't give us this abundant life by giving us everything we want. He does it by giving us each other. And though it will break our hearts, the life we experience in community is so much more rich, so much more abundant than life on our own. God's abundant life is bigger than any of us, but it does involve all of us. God's life is overflowing, it's uncontained, spilling out from God's own heart and touching our own, and then just flowing out from there. Notice in today's scripture that while Jesus is the first one to say, come and see, he isn't the last. His disciples pick up the refrain as the community of love that starts with Jesus begins to snowball outward. And that community of love is still expanding through each one of you as we call to each other, saying, come and see. Come and see what life together might bring. Come and see what each of you might have to contribute, what each of you might have to receive in this place. Come and see God living among us. That is the promise of community. When we stop looking for God in heaven and start looking for God in the people around us, we find God making a home among us, built of strong love and flowing through our hearts with unstoppable life. That's the end of my part of this sermon. But because we believe that God flows through community, 
this sermon is actually ending with you. You will find in your pews cards with two questions on them. Please hand them out (laughs) and reflect and write as the music plays. You can hand these cards in in the baskets in the Welcome Center as you leave. But take this time and ask yourself, what is one way that you are held by God through this community? In other words, what can you count on MO for? And what is one thing you share with this community? How are we different because you are here? What can we count on you for? God bless your meditations and God bless you as you share. Amen.